0: noble dreams of some noble dreams with his fingers and toes and everything in between with his friends
1: Episode 7 of the Noble Dreams Podcast. Years ago, as mentioned by Sam and Kate in the last episode, I worked at a program um, out in Hawaii on the Big Island, and we were going for a tour during training with the man who was the land manager. And he had such a playful way of sort of engaging all the students who were in the gardens. It was a horticultural therapy program. And... Something that he kept mentioning over, over, and over again was that little things can make a big difference, and that that line really stuck with me. And it's it's something that I've really come to think about a lot. And it's the way that I think about the the mission that Bree gave us a, a couple of weeks ago, um, about doing small things that can brighten up the world, and. So I've been thinking a lot about that, and that's sort of the theme of today's episode. Uh, is, is reporting back from, from Bree Missions 1, uh, the I Saw the side mission, which I'll say a couple of things about. One, I'm going to replay the mission during this episode to remind those, because it's not like because we're reporting back now that it ends. Um, obviously, this is always available, and we would love for you to continue to report back as you do your own missions out in the world. And I... I think it's really helpful to keep in mind that the things that we do can be of service, even the things that we're not always aware of. Uh, We don't have the luxury, for the most part, of knowing the sort of butterfly effects of the things that we do in the world. And all of you are doing beautiful things just by sheer um Want of existing and interacting with the environment and with your fellow humans and animals and all that kind of stuff and so it's it's a pretty small effort potentially to um you know just put a little bit of an attention into that and if you're doing that, Blake please please, please report back um there's a term called social loafing that we used to talk about in doing leadership stuff where it's like if you're in a community and you, you there's one job like say it's taking the compost bucket out or something like that. And every time you pass it you think, well there's so many of us somebody will surely grab the compost bucket. And then so I don't need to do that. I'm going to keep doing my thing. Or or there's a you know on this if you're on the street or something there's a gum wrapper on the ground or whatever. Whatever it is. And so it's that it's that sense of like, well somebody's going to do it so I don't really need to do it. And I know uh, I've sort of tried to take it on for myself uh, when I have these little moments of like I don't want to do that because blah, blah, and just sort of getting myself to do it has, uh, is a really small reward. And instead of having like resentment that someone else isn't doing it, I just get can derive some joy from actually just doing it myself. And so. If you've been listening to these requests for um, for reports back or, or doing a little mission in the world uh, and thinking, well, I'll just listen back, I can't wait to see what other people are doing um, with them, then just maybe take it upon yourself and go out and do it. Go do it today. Um, do it this week and report back. Uh, I love getting voice messages from people um from little voice recordings i love getting emails that we can read out loud on the podcast this stuff matters um sometimes it's really easy as we talk about in this episode to feel helpless in the in the uh, face of so much stuff that's going on in the world and we don't have control over that but you do have agency in small ways and can do really small things that can make a big difference um, I know I've had the experience of moving through the world and just having, you know, someone smile at me or use my name or something like that has made a big difference. I remember one time my friend Katie came up to Vermont um, around New Year's, and the first night that she was there, we'd had been we uh, spent time. I used to live in a house with a bunch of other people, and she said, no, you know, earlier you just sort of grabbed my elbow. You put my your hand on my elbow and looked me in the eye and said, I'm so glad you're here. And it made such a big difference. And I'm, well, I tell this story to make myself sound like a hero. Um, no, I'm just kidding. Uh, no, but the point was that it was like this moment that I had no conscious awareness. I didn't actually know that I did that. I didn't have a memory of it. And I was I was blessed enough to be given a reflection of, You know some, you know, seemingly tiny, trivial thing that actually made a really um, significant difference to someone's day, and I experience that all the time. And I think there's a real beauty in not only um, being so grateful for when we have these interactions that matter, but also something so beautiful about letting um, people know when they've done something or just shown up in a way that's been meaningful for us. And so that's. Sort of in in line with so how I how I chose to fulfill the mission was to reach out to this woman named Roz Finn who, um, who as you'll hear, uh, has sort of made it part of her mission in life to to do these small things that can make a difference for people. And so my way to fulfill the Bribri mission was to um, facilitate a conversation with her and reach out to her and and share that with you guys. And we also have. Uh, uh, Jesse calling in uh, or or doing a voice recording um, from his own experience doing debris remissions in his way. We have a recording from Lincoln who um, had... This week got to reflect on the experience of someone else doing that for him and what that looked like. And then we also have a story and I can't remember if at the moment if um, I identified the speaker or not so I'm going to not do so at the moment in case that uh in case um anonymity was was wished um a friend of old friend of mine and something that she did unexpectedly that was arguably a, a, a huge service and um and so i think those are all really interesting things to think about to me is like one these things that we do intentionally like oh i can make this little effort and maybe that'll brighten someone's day and two the things that we do just sort of unconsciously in small ways and then three these things that we do when if something big happens and we don't even think about it something that something else takes over some instinct happens and we go out and do that so that's the theme of this week little things that make big differences and and of course those little and big sort of qualifiers uh and judgments are 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 very subjective and they're not really the most important part to focus on i, I think but um Yeah, so I'm really looking forward to... uh, We're going to do like this, a two-part. So this is part one, and then um, this week is especially good to go out and do your Bree-Bree missions, and I'm going to play also the new one, which includes her own... um, doing our own fulfillment of, of mission number one because here at the Noble Dreams podcast we try to uh practice what we talk about as much as possible. And so yeah, please, please, please keep sharing the show with people that you think might get something from it or that it might uh reach um into some part of them and grab a hold and pull them uh further towards themselves and doing beautiful things in the world or however You conceptualize sharing, and the email nobledreamspod at gmail dot com is a great place to share your voice memos, to share your thoughts and feedback, to share your own stories. Um, We have a a lot of people submitting different things coming up. So if you've got you know poems that you want to read, if you've got stories that you've written that you want to read, or you want me to read, or um, all kinds of things, uh, just. Send them along, songs very welcome, and then I usually put a post up on Instagram, which is Noah Days Noble Knights at Noah Days Noble Knights, and uh, I usually put more more photographs than I can put on just the individual episodes. So if you want to see some more visuals, then that's where to find them. I hope you all are having and continue to have a most wonderful week, and I look forward to seeing well seeing yeah seeing and hearing from you and uh all right
0: bye
2: heyo brie here and welcome to my first segment of my missions super excited to be doing this piece and excited to get to know you all. So today's mission is called, I saw the sign. I saw the sign. I opened up my eyes. I saw the sign. Anyway, um, I won't sing every time, I promise. But today's mission is inspired by a local Burlington, Vermont hero who. For those of you who have lived in Burlington or visited, you might know what I'm talking about when I refer to the little positive messages that are scattered all throughout the city on brightly colored signs that are low down to the ground. And for those of you who haven't been there um, or haven't seen these signs, they're just these beautiful little art creations that have kind of been a mystery to the city for a long time, but they all spread lovely messages of positivity, reading statements such as, Be kind, or Art connects us. And for me personally, while I was living in Burlington, seeing these signs always made me smile, always made my day a little better, especially when I saw one that I'd never noticed before, because they were so low to the ground that sometimes you really could walk by them. So anyway, I live in Denver now, And I've really been missing those little bright pop-ups of color and positivity. And today I read an article from a local Burlington newspaper, Seven Days, that revealed the artist behind these signs. Her name is Melanie Putzbratz. I hope I'm saying that name right. If not, I'm sorry. Um, But anyway, I thought today's mission would be to follow in the footsteps of Miss Melanie and to do something to spread positivity you know we're living in such a divisive climate these days but there are so many ways that we can spread joy so whether that is creating some sort of project similar to miss melanie's signs wherever you live and setting out these lovely messages for others to see and enjoy or maybe you want to write some love notes and leave them inside a book that you find in a coffee shop or bookstore library or maybe it's simply engaging with a stranger on the street making eye contact smiling starting a brief conversation or maybe it's planting some flowers in an unexpected spot that others can see but whatever you choose to do we'd love to hear how you interpreted this mission so please share with us and till next time
3: Hey, this is Jesse. I live in Charleston, South Carolina. And um, I'm a huge fan of the Noble Dreams podcast. And so um, I've been listening to each episode and I'm excited to report on my Bree mission, or my Bree-Bree mission. Thanks to Bree-Bree for setting us out into the world to do something positive. So I interpreted Brie Bree's mission as I understood that You know the mission Had a lot to do with Just putting good out into the world And it was presented in the context Of doing something for strangers um, But I, I was, As I was listening to this This episode of the podcast I was doing dishes in my house That's one of my main jobs I'm part of a family of four um, The family of four includes my wife and my two kids, and oftentimes, you know, after a long day, um, th- those people go to lay down, and I'm the one left, and my job is to clean up the kitchen. And so I spend a lot of time in the kitchen doing dishes, and while I do dishes, I like to listen to podcasts. It's one of my favorite things. Once in a while, I'll do music, but a lot of times, I like podcasts so I can, you know, use it to help ponder my own life. And so I was listening to Bree Bree's Mission, and as I was doing the dishes and I was reflecting on my day at work. So I spent a lot of my waking hours um, in a workplace for a small organization. There are three of us that work full-time in an office. And um, I really, my my two other coworkers are really, really great people. Um, They're they're good people in general. They do good things in the world. Um, They're really good at their jobs. And I'm their supervisor, so I'm the boss of the three, Um, and they rely on me to, you know, help guide them and, um, you know, give them feedback on what they're doing. But there's something about spending most of your waking hours with one or two or, you know, whatever small group of people that um, small things that they do start rubbing you the wrong way, you know, no matter how... Awesome, this person is, no matter how much you like them. Um, no, if we spend extended amounts of time with people, they start getting under our skin. And so, one of my coworkers, the one who I spend most time with, the one who I make most decisions with and <clears throat> converse the most with, she tends to get on my nerves. Not because she's a bad person, not because she's an annoying person, but because we just spend so much time together. And so, I spend a lot of my time that I'm not spending with her thinking about these annoying things that she does and that, that seem annoying to me. And I spend a lot of the time that I'm with her <clears throat> sometimes reflecting on the things that she does that annoy me. And I, I don't like that negativity, especially because objectively, um, it's not, you know, she's not a negative person and these things aren't annoying. It's just I get m- myself so wrapped up in it. And so I took Brie Bree's mission as an opportunity to Recognize the negativity that exists within me <clears throat> and, and flip it around So right in that moment As soon as I heard the remission, I picked up my phone and I sent um, my co-worker an email And I told her how awesome she is And I told her the things that I really like about her And the way that she does her work And my, my professional relationship with her and I turned off the negativity and I turned on some gratitude. And oftentimes, you know, people tell you how important gratitude is and, you know, reminding yourself that you're thankful for whatever it is in your life. Um, and it's really true. You know, we forget how powerful gratitude is. And so in that moment, I took Bree Breeze mission as an opportunity to show gratitude in a specific area where I was feeling a little bit down. And I'll tell you what, it worked. It's, here's the thing about gratitude that a lot of us know, but we forget. It's not, about, it's not about saying thank you so that the other person feels good. It's about saying thank you so that you feel good about what that other person is bringing to your life. And so that's, it was a moment of like cleansing my negativity, just putting gratitude out there. So I think she appreciated the email I don't remember if she responded or not I think she might have brought it up Like two days later and been like Hey that was you know a nice note you sent me Thanks for sending it I don't know if it had a really big impact on her day Or whatever But I do know that it made a, An impact on me In that moment it flipped my mindset around And it also reminded me to Like not be such a Not be such a grump You know So um, anyway that was my brief bri mission. I challenge you, whoever's listening to this, to turn your negativity into positivity through gratitude, um, wherever that might exist in your life. Um, so yeah, thanks for listening.
4: No bless, oblige. This is Lincoln McLean. And I'm going to tell you a story about the time I met Cliff Branch. Um, So I guess it started because I didn't really get good grades in high school, at least the early part of high school, and uh, my mom... uh, was dead set on us doing well. And so basically it turned into that I had to do summer school, which wasn't easy because summer school was a regional thing. um, And it was located at a high school on the other side of our county. Um, And so I needed to wake up really early in the morning and take a bus, a city bus from Kenwood, my small town in California Into the big town of Santa Rosa, and then I had to get onto a school bus at a high school in downtown Santa Rosa and Montgomery area, and um, had to go from there out to Piner High School where I attended summer school, (laughs) and um, uh, that was all fine. Um, I would I would go out there. It took me about an hour and a half to two hours to get to school in the morning, so I had to wake up really early, and then on the way back after summer school. It dropped me off right next to this place called Montgomery Village, which was like a, a shopping mall area, but like outside, so a lot of stores. And I would just, you know, hang out and do a lot of different things in the stores, and kill time before the city bus would come and pick me up and take me back to to Kenwood, California, where I would be able to teach swimming lessons in the evenings to kids to make some money. So it ended up being that I would go to this sushi restaurant and I would. Um, spend all the money I made teaching swimming lessons, buying sushi for myself before I would get on the bus and so I did this a bunch and I got kind of comfortable going into this restaurant alone and figuring out the fun stuff to order and eating it and got to know the waitresses and the waiters and they'd wave at me as this high school punk that would make his way into the sushi restaurant every day in the hot summer Um, and one day I was sitting there and I I was having food and um A gentleman walked in that was just categorically different. He was tall um, and extremely strong, you could tell, and just kind of carried himself with an air of confidence that was different than most people. And I um, also noticed he had a lot of large rings on his hand. (laughs) Um, And so I, uh, I walked past him. And I noticed that they were football rings. They were Super Bowl rings. And so I kind of struck up a conversation with them. And at the time, I was a huge Niners fan. And um, and uh, I, I said, oh, do you do you play football? And he said, yeah, I do. And I said, um, or yeah, I did. And I said, oh, are you a 49er? And he, he said, uh, no, <laughs> uh, I was a Raider. And so then he... Uh, um, we had a conversation and he was a wide receiver and, um, I just didn't know much about who he was as a person. And I kind of, I, I was enamored because I love, I love athletes and sports and I think that they were just amazing and, and, but I just didn't know who he was <laughs> and I just, I kind of felt like I let him down cause I didn't know who he was, but I ended the conversation well and, and I went back to the, my seat and finished my meal and he left. And when I went up to the register to pay my bill, um, uh, the, uh, the, the waitress said, um, uh, your tab has been taken care of. And also, uh, he left this for you and it was a, um, a, a football card, um, with, a um, Cliff Branch on it and it, it was signed by him. Um, and, uh, um, I don't know. I just just goes to show that you know uh, random acts of kindness and humility are make what make the world a better place and he didn't need to recognize some punk high school kid or say thank you or just i don't know be kind to me at all he didn't need to do anything but he did and uh, it was so small for him probably but it stuck with me and it's just amazing that um that happened and uh Cliff just died 2 days ago. I hadn't thought about this story until um until I saw on uh on Facebook that Cliff had died. And I thought to myself that's that's the guy from the restaurant. <laughs> and I looked it up and uh and yeah, and I just saw everyone from my hometown was putting out stories like this about how he would just go around and just be kind to people and random people and just do things to make their lives better. I think that was really cool and special. So, yeah. Um, uh, that's my story about Cliff Branch.
5: Yeah, for a long time. Well, we go through supper and wine.
1: <laughs> <laughs> um, so so uh, just as a review to both the listeners and as sort of an introduction to you as well, Um we have a segment of the show called Bree Bree's Missions, which is my friend Brianna records um uh invitations for us to go out in the world and beautify it in some way. Uh the the first one was called I Saw the Sign, and it was based on a woman in Burlington, Vermont who paints little sayings on little wooden signs and mm-hmm. puts them all over town.
5: Oh, I like that.
1: And and so so Bri-Bri's in invitation for us was to do something similar, not not the exact same thing, but w- whatever we could do in yes. our own ways to, to, to brighten world. up the world. Yes. yes. And so the purpose of our conversation is twofold. One, it's because um, you, in my judgment, are someone who does this uh, Intentionally, And two, because this is my personal way of fulfilling the mission, is by making this conversation happen and I doing see. it with you.
5: Oh, I think that's wonderful. Yes.
1: So, so
5: you would like me to talk about maybe my Monday morning?
1: Yeah, your Monday, yeah.
5: Stand um, yeah. and why I'm doing it sort of briefly. Yeah. Um, well, um, every Monday, to start with, I put out on our listserv and uh, another listserv, I just say, I wish everyone a peaceful and safe week. And then every Monday morning between 7 and 8, every Monday morning, um, whatever the weather, um, I go and stand uh, at a corner of our village and I have a sign that says, I wish I wish uh, you a peaceful and safe week. And now I realise, well, when I started it, um, and I'll tell you why I started it, Um, I didn't realise that the word safe would be quite so important Mm. but I think as well as the peaceful bit, being safe is becoming more and more difficult these days and that makes me very sad and um, the reason that I started the stand, and I've been doing it for nine years now I went uh, over for my mother's funeral in England and I spent a couple of days in London and I just happened to be there on the uh, 11th day of the 11th hour of the 11th day of the 11th month um, and uh, that is when at 11 o'clock uh, I was in London at 11 a.m. Big Ben tolls 11 and everything stops the traffic stops in London people stop in the street um, and it's all um, to remember the the wars and people who died in them and I happened to be at the Cenotaph, which is the main place where you go. And I saw all of these um, old soldiers, very old, some of them, some of them in wheelchairs, younger people, families without fathers or mothers. And everybody around me just started crying. And because I was brought, brought up in the war in London, World War II, um, I just suddenly thought, well... When are we going to stop wars and what can I do? And so that was when I came back and I took the States to home and I thought about it and I decided that that's what I was going to do and I thought about what I wanted to say to people and I'm still doing it and I'm 80 years old and I intend to go on doing it until I'm not around anymore. So... Um, And while I'm here, I might just as well say, and I wish all the listeners a very peaceful and and safe week, too.
1: Oh, thank you. Yeah, I do as well. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Have have people, um, I don't imagine that you do it for the feedback, but I'm wondering, since this is such a small town that we live in, um, have you had people report back to you about just
5: oh you know. yes a lot of people and a lot of people say it's a sort of anchor for them on a Monday morning you know when they're going into work to you know face the week and um and a lot of people I get when I just put it on the on the list serves too and I get people saying you know thank you for that I don't do it for that but I think um certainly the stand there and if I'm not there for some reason and I think I've only missed maybe probably six times standing times in the last you know the last nine years you know people get terribly worried and I come back to all sorts of messages and phone calls are you all right are you all right and it's very sweet but it's lovely and no because I'm just near where children all going by to school as well so um that's, that's yeah, no, and I love it and I, I do it for this town because I've lived all over the world in different places and at different times and um, I am just so grateful to Stratford, South Stratford to give me my, as they say, my final resting home and it's just a very special place.
1: Mm. Yeah, I agree. I'm very grateful to have grown up here.
5: Yes, yes. yes. It's a a wonderful place, anywhere really in Vermont. And I'm sure there are lots of millions of other places in the world, but this just happens to be where I am and some of my family are, yes. Mm. And I remember you from being a little boy too, yes. Yeah.
1: (laughs) Yeah, it feels like a long time ago, but at the same time, Yeah. yeah.
5: Yeah, life goes by very fast indeed. And now I'm seeing it it's so funny because now I see, because I've always volunteered at the school, you know, for 35 years or something like that when my son, we came and my son was in fifth grade. And um, so now I'm seeing the children of the children that were at school with him. And um, that's that's a lot of fun, yeah.
1: Yeah, and now the little kids that you used to see running around are, coming to your back porch to yeah. put you on podcasts. <laughs>
5: <laughs> yes, that's right. <laughs> yeah. Luckily, I can't remember too much about how you were uh, uh, at school. Uh, so I do remember when my son was there, um, he, it was snowing, and you know that big bank beh- behind the school? Anyway, so he and his cronies, this was fifth graders, they were at the top of this bank and they made this huge snowball. And then they, well, they say, oh, it just got away from them. But of course it didn't. They pushed it and it rolled down the bank getting even bigger and it bashed into someone's car. (laughs) And it was someone who it was not a good idea. to. She did not think it was funny. Well, I don't suppose anyone would, but it was just a prank. Um, Anyway, so there were a lot of little fifth fifth graders who had to do um, a lot of cleaning up the garden and, you know, washing this and... Doing that in recompense, because we all had to, parents all had to divvy up and repair the damage. But I've always remembered that story. But I'm sure your class was very good.
1: Oh yes, we, were, you we were. were so an just and exceptionally well behaved. Yes, actually yes. we weren't. We, our our class had a um, group of uh, boys, mostly boys. Occasionally they would recruit uh, a female member, but they were called the. They called themselves the Bulldog Gang. <laughs> and for for those of you who who aren't uh, who aren't versed on on the space we're talking about, this is a town with a thousand people, you know, in the summertime, and uh, so my graduating grade was seventeen people.
5: Wow, yes. a lot more than just now. <laughs>
1: yeah, <laughs> yeah, it is more. And and uh, yeah, so we had the Bulldog Gang, and they were the the members of the Bulldog Gang were pretty notorious. Like we, I think the. The teachers would a little bit uh, be a bit trepidatious about knowing that we were coming up to their to their grade. <laughs> um, we had some good characters.
5: Uh, uh, well, it's a it's a good little school. Um, it really is. Oh, I like I like that the Bulldog Gang. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Classic characters. <laughs> uh, well,
1: um, do you think that the doing the signs on Monday mornings and doing the things on the list serve, and for those who might not. Uh, be familiar with the term listserv, it's just an email bulletin board that goes out to the town every morning. So whoever wants to add to it, something to it, an announcement or something for sale or an event, um, they just email to the listserv and then it comes as a, a conglomerated one to everyone. Um, I'm curious, have you ever heard of someone um, being inspired to do something of their own in the same vein by seeing you do that or reading your posts every week?
5: I don't know. I have never heard. I did have a, a reply from someone. I have no idea who he is, um, and we had a little conversation about it. And he said how much he enjoyed it every Monday morning. And so I just said to him, um, "Well, why don't you, you know, just?" I said I do a stand as well, and I said, "Why don't you just really try and think about peace and and." Safety and putting an end to war during the seven, you know, between 7 and 8. I'm trying not to sound too pious. I don't want to sound pious because <laughs> I'm not pious at all. But I do feel, having been through a, a war in London when I was young, very small, I do feel very strongly about war. And I think about the children in places like Yemen and Syria and now I think Iraq starting up again and the Rohingya and all of these places around the world where children are, are bombed and deprived of all sorts of things, including food. And, but they will never recover because you don't recover ever from something like that, um, the shock and the terror and how much we're damaging so much of this world by this continual making war. Mm. And we, I think I'm right in saying that America is probably the biggest arms maker in the world, Probably without doubt and certainly the biggest arms seller. Yeah. And where does where does that put us? I, I realise that it's it's a business. and um, you know, people are employed there and everything. But um, well, anyway, I could go on for a long time. We could all go on for a long time. And of course, there are some wars which I suppose can be justified. Um, probably. Anyway, maybe I shouldn't be talking about all of this. I don't know this is what <laughs> no it's you fine to, to talk about
1: and, and i think what, what comes to my mind is that there's a lot of um things going on in the world that are frustratingly beyond our control mm. and are really yes. heartbreaking and yes. hard to take on mm. and even to have awareness of them and to have you know sort of that helpless feeling of like well what can i really do about that yes and you know, for some people that looks like um, you know, going to these places and trying to be on the ground mm. and do this or that. For some people it's going to protests and this and that and and and, yes. and and then there's other people who I mean I think there's a lot to be said. It was like was it Kennedy who said think globally, act locally and mm. Yes. Um you know that that sometimes contributing in little what seem like little ways mm. that can make a big difference. is kind of kind of the theme Um, for this week in my mind. Um,
5: I agree. I'm actually going to do a course um, in Hanover and it's called um, How to Have a Difficult Conversation. Mm -hmm. And so I thought, well, that's really interesting and I would really like to learn how to do that and how to listen to somebody's quite different point of view to mine without exploding. (laughs) I think, you know, to really learn to listen and try and even if you can't, either respect or understand their point of view um, at least not to sort of blast them off the earth because that's what they believe and you have to respect what people believe whether you believe in or even understand that belief or not.
1: Yes I I mean I can't I couldn't agree more I think actually listening especially to people that we don't agree with is, mm. is mm. one of the most valuable things that we can do yes. and it's something that a lot of people don't seem to be willing to mm. even give a try I, try
5: to. I know yeah. and I think I certainly um, I have certainly been guilty of that and um, I also have talked to people about things that I, I just don't understand how people could, could want to believe that and, and actually found that there is some nugget of of not necess- of truth perhaps or some nugget of something that I could understand because I'm seeing it from a different point of view. So it's it's quite interesting. But on the other hand, I really don't at the moment I'm I'm not I don't quite feel up to engaging somebody who has a completely different point point of view to me. I don't feel that I would do much good. Um, But the other thing I like to do and put out on the listservs, which you've described, thank you very much, is I I do short essays uh, every two weeks. Um, They also go in the Randolph Herald, and they're mainly little biographies. I did one just the other day called Golden Moments about how we all have those looking back, 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 back into our early childhood, or it can be an adulthood any time, but we all have those particular little golden moments when something that was so special happened and it just really lodged in our memories. And I did one very um, long time ago when I was a small, small child, and then I did a contrast of my, my two twin granddaughters um, leaping off... Um, into a pond, a pool in the river, leaping off a bridge, and so uh, you know that I'm trying to do the same sort of thing: is to give people something to sort of lighten, lighten the moment. Because I think right now in this world, between everything and climate change and politics and oh goodness knows what, and um, that life is just really very difficult and very frightening. Mm. And so I think. I like to try and give people something that they can laugh at or that they can feel nostalgic about or it just takes you out of the moment I think
1: yeah well that's very much what I'm you know attempting to do with this podcast there's plenty yes. of um, there's plenty of things that if we think about them too much or you know make it so you don't even want to get out of bed in the morning mm. um, and then there's just as many or more that are absolutely we're celebrating all the time and there's plenty of places and sources that are hyper focused on the former Mm. and I don't I don't want to uh, pretend like there aren't difficult things in the world and I also feel more invested in trying to celebrate what Mm. what you know what we can do with being alive um, and 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 create a space for that to do that for that I, to exist.
5: I agree, and there are people out there, I mean, Doctors Without Borders, um, the Peace Corps, um, and I, I hear about people, uh, you know, young people from, who have left school all the time going out to Africa or India or you know, all these places and, and trying to do something that would help people. Um, there is so much, and unfortunately, all the bad things tend to get stressed, um, and stress one, but they tend to be become the be-all and end-all of newspapers and, mm-hmm. and everything else you get off the computer, instead of trying to, um, you know, remember that there are many, many good things, and there is a lot of love in this world, as well as there is a lot of hate, too, but it's offset.
1: Yes, I, I... I think it's offset and more. Yeah. Uh,
5: so um I I I think sometimes we just tend to forget that and get carried away from the moment and also you know I laughter I mean <laughs> there's nothing there is no better medicine than laughter. I don't know who said that. i it's, uh, sort of on the tip of my tongue but the brain is not quite so good at 80s as it was 10 years ago, even, so I don't remember, but I do think that laughter is the best medicine, and I have to say I'm blessed with a great sense of humor, and I'm sure you are too. Uh,
1: I try. <laughs>
5: Your dad has a very no, sly I, I... sense of humor. I always make, he's just a very quiet little, quiet little sort of mo every now and again, and, <laughs> and you have to watch him. <laughs> oh dear, so.
1: Yeah, no, I think humor is incredibly important, mm. and uh, we definitely celebrate that here.
5: Mm. Oh, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Well, I, I was just, I had a little reunion, this has really got nothing to do with anything, but I had a little reunion with my family in Greece, my, one half of my family lives in Australia and wonderful people, by the way, the Australians. I dearly love them. And so my little grandson's five, and so we all got together for my 80th birthday to celebrate that, and it was wonderful. And so Luca and I are just discussing, you know, all sorts of things, and he'd obviously been told that I was 80 now and I was, you know, maybe old. And so there's a sort of silence for a moment, and then he says, So, Granny, when are you going to die? <laughs> <laughs>
1: I love kids. I love kids. Well,
5: when... I, I tell you, because it was—I absolutely loved it. Not only because it made me laugh, like <laughs> that's you know, a good question. I just like, sorry, Luca, I can't help you. I don't know, but it was because it was so innocent, and it, so it was so funny. And I thought, yes, that's what we need more of in this world. We just need more innocence.
1: Yeah, I can't agree more. Yeah. And and I and I also, when I hear you tell that story, I I, I can picture a lot of grown-ups who are afraid of offending people going oh. oh no you mustn't ask that question oh no no <laughs> we don't ask we don't ask that <laughs> but of course to my mind it's like oh yeah heck yeah, yeah this sure. what a great what a great question what <laughs> well, a great you know
5: <laughs> one question that can't be asked is answered as a matter of yeah, fact yeah yeah I think yes it was just the, it was just the lovely unknowingness of of him asking he had no idea what he was asking and because he had obviously it's five you don't really have any idea well none of us know what death is anyway do we so i better be careful there i might be stepping on toes but anyway (laughs) um that that was a good laugh yeah yeah and uh so the world is full of them and uh, there's somebody i think it's on a saturday morning is it scott somebody on npr And he always, uh, well, well, I can't know anyway, but I I really enjoy him. And at the very end of his hour, I think it's between 9 and 10, he always finds something funny or something good or something, you know, to say, something quite different and away from all the ghastly stuff he's been talking about for an hour and all the interviews and everything like that. And I really like that, and I I wish that uh, it happened more often. Um, So, anyway.
1: Yeah, it's good to have a, uh, like a, even i I'm not familiar with that show, but I, I like the idea of just having a reminder of like, you know, especially if you're in a thing where you're just discussing things really seriously and, you know, arguing about this or that yeah, or whatever. Yeah. It's good to have something as a reminder of like, oh yeah, and we're also alive and in the world and there's way more to,
5: yeah, exactly, <laughs> way exactly. More to be... Yes. And then also, I just think to wake up every day and feel, so, I am so grateful. Hmm. that I have food in my mouth and a roof over my head. I know it sounds very trite, but it's so true, and um, that I had a, a happy childhood, uh, you know, once we got out of London and the war was over, and we lived in deep countryside like it is around here, and um, we were very free. I mean, gosh, after breakfast, my mother would say, well, all right then, dears, off you go, I'll see you at lunchtime, and after lunchtime, it would be the same thing. Hmm. So we... You no know, no helicopter parents in those days, I'll tell you, Noah, no, nope, just um yeah, so that I was very lucky because I think that starts your life off so well, and um so a lot to be thankful for,
1: yeah. indeed, always,
5: yeah, pretty varied in between, but
1: yeah yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah there's there's definitely moments that are a lot harder to find the gratitude for uh, in the short term for sure. Yeah, that's the way it goes. Mm. Um, well, Roz, I want to thank you in in the spirit of gratitude so much for um, doing this today, and also you know this is a, a bit of a a um, like a teaser or a trailer. Yes. We're going to sit down with Roz oh, again and, and do a do a long form, oh, boy. Um, um. deep dive. <laughs> <laughs> well,
5: well, we'll we'll try anyway, and we'll try. Um, well, well try. thanks very much, and I enjoy sitting out here in my back porch with you and just chit chatting. I'm afraid I hopped around a bit, but
1: no, that's that's the yeah. beauty of it. There's yeah. hopping space. It's yeah. not uh, we're not here to, yeah. you know, Raz, Tell me this, soar. Tell me this. Tell it's not, not not my style, Good. and it's not what Good. I would want to listen to. So
5: and and, uh, and before I go, I'll wish everyone a very peaceful and safe week.
1: Thank you so much. Okay. Right. We're rolling. We're live. <laughs> <Cool>. <laughs> All right, well, I'm sitting here with Miss Merida, and we are in a small park in what, Brighton? Brighton. Brighton. Brighton, Massachusetts. Brighton, Massachusetts, outskirts of Boston, Massachusetts, famous city. We have some people shooting hoops, two young people throwing a basketball over a set of swings, (laughs) some screaming children, and a large man with a small dog (laughs) (laughs) walking determinedly. And Meredith, how do we know each other?
6: Uh, we went to college together, Eckerd College. We did. We did. <laughs> <laughs> remember that back in the day, a long time ago.
1: Eckerd College. I, yeah. v- I vaguely remember a a resort slash summer camp yeah. school.
6: It was totally a summer camp. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Beach camp.
1: Um, and what was our what what did our friendship consist of at Eckerd College?
6: Uh, we. Played in Kappa together, and we went fishing sometimes, mm-hmm. and we were pretty close friends. Uh, what other activities did we do together?
1: What I mostly, what I remember is, uh, well, for those of you who aren't listening, I'm a big giant person, <laughs> <laughs> not really. But, uh, and pretty is, tall. Meredith is a very small person.
6: Yeah, pretty short.
1: Pretty short, and uh, and we used to do. We had Sunset Club for a short while, and we—I'll
5: yeah.
1: uh, give you a piggyback oh, out to the yeah. out to the point because the college we went to was on the water in the Gulf of Mexico in Florida, and uh, and there was a pier that you could walk out on, and so we would trudge out there at sunset time because
6: to the end of the world.
1: Yeah, because it was oriented to the west, and and yeah, the end of the world little pier, there. <laughs> and that was that was a good time. I also remember one time that we started watching seven years in Tibet with Brad Pitt (laughs) and gave up on it really quickly because we both realized it was like three hours long (laughs) and we weren't ready to invest in
6: in it. It's too much. Three hours is too much. It's too much
1: much other stuff distracting. Uh, Yeah.
6: Too much sunshine to be watching the television.
1: Yeah, exactly. Um, And then yesterday we met up for the first time since, well, well, actually, if you left in, if you left in 2009... But you did come back and visit. I did you come were, back and visit. We were there in 2000. So we we met yesterday uh, for the first time in almost, a, probably almost to the day, nine years. Yeah. And nothing's changed. Wow.
6: Well. <laughs> <laughs> we're pretty cool. Yeah.
1: I have a few great hairs. Meredith looks exactly the
6: same.
1: We're still really cool. <laughs> by any non-traditional standard. <laughs> um, and... Uh, Anyway, so hopefully people can hear the birds in the background. There's a lot of really um, charming background noise this morning. It's weirdly warm.
6: Beautiful day. You know,
1: the sun's not out, which is a nice combination. Mm-hmm. You're bundled up
6: still. Yeah. <laughs> Why are you bundled up? I got, a, I got kind of sunburned. and I feel cold. So I'm all bundled up to try to protect my sunburn from the wind.
1: Everywhere except for your for your ankles. My ankles
6: somehow <laughs> escaped the sunburn. And,
1: and you weren't wearing socks. No socks. And we don't know why that happened. No idea. And you have a perfect V going down your neck <laughs> in the shape of your chin.
6: <laughs> really amazing tan lines going on right now.
1: Um and you have a story to share with us today. And I, I was do, curious yeah. if you'd be willing to to share that with us. Yeah, and I'm what happy you to learned share. from it and what what happened and yeah. All that kind of
6: stuff. Totally, yeah. Um, so a few years ago, I was on my way home from work and getting on the train at Boylston train stop, and which is right next to the Boston Commons, big old park, and I heard a couple gunshots, loud bang, bang. And I looked over, and I saw someone drop next to a tree. And although people were running scattering everywhere there were screams and and everyone was running out of the park I didn't really register any of that and the only thing I thought to myself was is that guy okay and I started running towards him so that moment is a moment I reflect on a lot as in a moment of chaos my instinct was to run towards the danger and I still think about that because after I I got to the man he was already dead he had been shot in the chest and looked like a a young kid he was actually 19 years old and um and he laid there underneath the by the gazebo underneath the tree uh within minutes the police were there the park rangers and they they covered him with a sheet and um and the whole city shut down as they were searching for who did it um I never found that person. And I hung around for for a while because the trains were shut down, couldn't get home. So I wanted to see if the police were able to, to find anybody. Um, there were plenty of people that did come back to the scene to talk to the police because they had seen the shooter run into the park. Um, I didn't really have any information for them, but I was just so struck by the lifeless face um, of this poor young man that I... Um, I don't know. I felt, I felt attached to him. Like he needed somebody there with him. Um, and his face sticks in my mind for years later. I still sort of see his face every now and again. Um, and it was a, it was a strong learning moment for me, um, learning about myself because I know that, um, in the event that I'm in a dangerous situation or something um, catastrophic happens like that, I can't trust myself to run to safety and should assume that my instinct is going to do the same and want me to go towards the danger again, which um, which I think I, I value about myself. I don't regret that decision at all. Um, it's something that makes my mother nervous, <laughs> but, <laughs> but I think it's... Uh, it's part of my, my instinct to want to be in a dangerous situation so that I can see if there's anything I can do to help. And although I felt completely helpless in that moment, I don't think that I would do anything differently again in the future. Um, and I was telling you this story yesterday because I was so impressed with my company for being so supportive because I had recently told my company and some coworkers about this story um, in the context of a different conversation and the CEO of my organization overheard it and took extra steps to make sure that I was um, able to access services for, um, you know, therapy or to be able to talk to somebody who has experienced similar situations, Um, recognizing that this event didn't define who I am or define my strength, but that um, is something that is difficult for witnesses to see and she she recognized that and wanted to make sure that i was I was okay and, and, and safe and had um the resources available to talk to somebody about it if i need to which i thought was really um really powerful for an organization to care so much about other things that are going on in, in the lives of her employees um so that's pretty much the story i mean i i uh I think it was a... Again, there's just a, a really learning... Strong learning experience for me... About myself... And a, a really sad... Um, sad event that happened here in the city. Uh, they didn't ever end up finding... The person who did it. Um, which is... Uh, a little bit crazy to me. That somebody... In a public park... Can get away with something like that. Um, and I... I often wonder, you know, why it happened and um, what could this young kid have possibly have done to deserve such a, a tragic death at such a young age. Um, but I don't think that those those answers are ever something I'm gonna gonna find.
1: Did it change how you feel? Walking around the city, I mean, did it make you feel any more or less safe than before?
6: It really didn't. Um, I didn't take that single event as uh, ah. as something that happens often, although I recognize it does. Um, I still have so much trust in in the people um, in my community. And I will very regularly fall asleep on the train with my, my purse sitting open next to me. And um, And, you know, I'm often talking to, to strange people um, and I, I do still have a lot of trust I, I recognize that people make bad decisions and do horrible things um, and the, and there's you know quite possibly very bad to the core people out there but uh, I don't like to assume that everybody would be that way um, so I do still have a lot of trust in the city and the people and I still feel safe um I don't think anybody is going to be targeting me in the middle of a park. But I I feel a responsibility to kind of be there for people that are being targeted. Um, and so, you know, working with um, at-risk communities is something that I, I do in my life. Um, and it's something I had done prior to this event, but it's, um, it's something that I do think about as I'm working with... Um, oh, a homeless community or the, the women's shelter and the, the dangerous situations that they've all been in. Um, cause it does happen, but I don't think it should change the way that I live my life.
1: In, in the moment where you decided to, I mean, even if it didn't feel like a conscious decision, but that you decided to run towards the person, um, did you feel like you were in danger at that moment? Like, did it feel like a dangerous situation, or did the the impulse to just be with that person sort of supersede that?
6: Um, I think it's like one of those where the adrenaline hits, and you don't really think about the danger. Mm-hmm. Um, I I think once I saw him there, I was was a little shaky, you know, and, and a little on edge for sure. Um, felt like there, you know. Could be somebody very dangerous nearby, um, but I I didn't think about it. I don't really remember because I didn't think about it at all.
1: Yeah, I think it's really interesting how we react to intense situations that we haven't preconceived of. Yeah, and that, and in that it's so hard to predict. It's like I know for me. I can get really anxious about things that are arguably quite trivial and don't have, you know, that the best guess is there's not going to be a huge consequence either way, whatever happens. But I can get really worked up about it and then have been sort of, I guess, pleasantly surprised to find that in the times when I've been really in unexpectedly intense situations that actually I feel very calm in a certain way. Like, I understand the seriousness of the situation but at the same time like that my system is is intelligent enough to know that like freaking out's not going to help mm-hmm. here and there's someone else who needs you to be with it
6: calm yeah
1: and so like your your freaking out is not going to aid the situation mm-hmm. and it does it feels like that's bigger than it's not a mental thing It's like your body yeah. knows what to do It or just something. happens
6: naturally mm-hmm.
1: uh, I think that's really fascinating
6: Yeah
1: And it's not that, And everyone is different Like some people When something unexpectedly um, You know Intense happens Have unexpectedly huge reactions mm-hmm. Like someone that's more calm And uh, you know Not an anxious person generally I mean who knows There's no way to generalize it It's just the The Interesting to see how how we show up when when it really when something calls or something Like just like you were saying last night like you were just passing all these people going the other direction and it's like It's just that's just really fascinating that that's that you're the person who you know for whatever reason you're being is like nope I gotta go there gotta
6: go. Yeah, yeah Everyone does react differently, and I think that is the, the context of the conversation that I was having with my coworkers a few weeks ago, um, was how people respond to situations and how they you know know for certainty that they would definitely not do one thing or the other in that situation. And the point of me telling this story was that I would have never guessed right. that I would have been the one person that was running in the opposite direction of the crowd. Uh, but it's something I learned about myself in that. Day. Yeah. And who knows if I would react that same way in a different situation, or if it happens again, you know?
1: Right. Yeah. Exactly. That's the other thing. It's like even if you think, well, well I went through one thing and I did this, it's like you, you just can't know until until you get into it, something else, and you know, hopefully you won't be in that situation again yeah. and don't get to find out. But <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. You just never know. You just never know. Well, thank you so much for for sharing that with us.
6: Yeah, of course.
1: And uh, today you're you're building a cardboard canoe, correct? I am
6: building a cardboard canoe. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely for a cardboard canoe race. Yeah, it's a blast.
1: And are those um, are those waterproofed in any way, or is it just like who can paddle the quickest before
6: <laughs> your thing sinks? <laughs> People generally sink, but uh, we. We'll use some polyurethane to seal it up. Oh. So a bunch of glue and tape, and then seal it with some polyurethane.
1: Huh. I want to see a. I want to see a picture of one of these things. Yeah. The only time I've seen it was like a, it was like a problem-solving initiative thing at this camp where I used to work, and they gave, you know, a group that was going to go out on, a trip for six weeks or something, you know, in the wilderness. They gave them a bunch of, duct tape and, cardboard, and it was like a challenge. You yeah. Know? Make <laughs> a canoe that, and it, I don't think it went super well. <laughs> yeah no polyurethane it's gonna it's yeah. gonna sink pretty quick yeah. <laughs> i don't know but i'm really interested to see i would re- be really interested to see to see what those look like if i think to myself build a canoe out of cardboard i get i'm thinking well yeah that sounds like a, a really intense challenge
6: yeah <laughs> it is a challenge uh but but it's fun they, they do fun. it every year yeah. yeah you can check out their website and, and look at videos of past years cool yeah maybe
1: we could put a link to that in the show notes here so people can check it out if they're yeah. interested in cardboard canoes.
0: Yeah.
1: Oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right. Well we're gonna go get breakfast before we gotta split up. So yeah. anyway thanks so much Merida. Of course. It's so great so lovely to see you.
6: This is really cool. It's been a blast to see you too. <laughs> yeah. All
1: right, over and out.
6: Over and
1: out. <laughs> okay friends, and just to reiterate, I'm about to play rebreed Missions number two. But Brie missions number one is ongoing. So do the first one as well, please, please. And you can do the second one as well. Um so also the song I forgot to mention is Give a Little Bit by Super Tramp, a quick version for your listening.
0: Going out in the world and doing something new. Missions
2: Hi friends, Brie here with mission number two. But before we get to that, I just wanted to take a moment to let you know what I did um, for mission number one of spreading joy and beauty in some way. I decided to paint rocks that I found outside, all different colors, and to write some positive words on them and spread them around my city. So it was really fun, and I actually invited one of my friends to come over and paint some more rocks. So, we'll be doing that in a few days. So, we'll keep it going because it was just that much fun. Um, but, so for this week, I wanted to spend a second talking about the idea of miracles. Recently, I have been introduced to the author Sark. That's S A R K, Sark. She is, in some ways, a self help guru. But more than that, I think she just spreads encouragement to love and live life fully. And she writes, most of her books are in her own handwriting rather than typed up and filled with all these beautiful, colorful drawings and scribbles and doodles. And it just feels really homemade. And um, you just, I, personally, I feel more connected to the author while reading than I do with most books just because of the format of it. But one thing that Sark talks about in one of her books is the concept of miracle walks where the quote she says to explain it is miracles find me now. So no matter what she's doing, whether it be an already joyful day or activity or if she's in the midst of grief, she enters into the world as often as she can with the mindset that miracles are out there no matter what. And she describes how that attitude has changed her life and all the wonders and daily moments of magic that show up by entering into each moment as if there's a miracle waiting for you. Um, And... I actually had recorded a different mission for mission number two, which I'll probably use for some future mission because it's something I was excited about. But during a trip with my best friend that had been planned for months, we very unexpectedly got mugged, and um, I lost my phone in that situation, and with that, the recording of the mission. But the reason I bring that up is earlier that day I had described to this friend the idea of miracle walks and kind of jokingly had been saying all day like are you looking for a miracle and then this situation happened which led to a lot of other stressful things to kind of deal with what had happened <laughs> but after being in the police station for about an hour and a half because of you know some of the things we had to figure out I remember that that's how we had started our day. And even though I had just been crying, I wrote down on a pad of paper, are you looking for a miracle? And showed it to her, and she started laughing. We both started laughing. And I realized that this is really a good opportunity to practice this concept, because even though Sark talks about looking for miracles in all experiences, including grief and sadness and anger and whatever, it's so much easier to be like, I'm going to do this when I'm having a great day and feeling excited and happy. And it's really challenging to be crying in a police station (laughs) and think, I'm going to look for a miracle right now. But we did, and some miracles really did find us. So for this week's mission... I am just encouraging everyone to take a miracle walk and really come up with your own interpretation of what that means and what you want it to look like. And if you're interested, check out Sark and read some of her books. Um, She even has a phone line where you can call and hear some of her messages. So that's a fun way to get to know some of her beliefs. But yeah, go take a miracle walk and let us know what you find. Alright, thanks. Till next time.
0: Give a little bit Give a little bit of my life For you So give a little bit Give a little bit of your time To me See the man with the lonely eyes Oh take his hand You'll be surprised.